Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I am your host, Tariq El If you are listening over the airwaves, you are tuned in to WCEV 1450 AM, broadcasting to you live from Chicago. And if you are streaming, you are streaming at www.wcev1450.com. For our new listeners, Radio Islam is a live call-in talk program, and we air every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. And we are on social media, so if you, uh, if you frequent Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you can find us on all those platforms at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. In particular, uh, with regard to our Facebook page, our Facebook page we keep open during our programs. And we do monitor them. So if there's a comment uh, that is made or there's a comment that you would like to make, we invite you to use that and post away. And we will make sure that we have your comment or your question interjected into our conversation. If you'd like to give us a call, our number is 312-750-1178. That is 312-750-1178. So Radio Slime family, hope everybody is doing great. We are almost at the finish line, those of us who go Monday through Friday. And for those of us who go Sunday to Sunday, well, well, there's there's not much that we're looking towards the end of. Uh, I'm a Sunday to Sunday uh, kind of individual. I haven't seen a weekend in a while, but I gain a little bit of comfort knowing and hoping that you all are going to have a great weekend. So we're one day closer to it. It is Thursday. And as always, thanks for spending this hour with us here at Radio Islam. So there's quite a bit that's going on right now. Um, But before we get into all of that, I want to just share something with you all. Um, Something I saw in the news today. And I think it was at the, it was on, it might have been, it, it was probably reported on multi, multiple uh, media outlets, uh, but I believe I saw it on, uh, at the Huffington Post. And it had to do with a witness to uh, former President George H.W. Bush uh, groping, uh, groping an actress. And uh, the, the brief version of it is this. Uh, I think they were taking a picture, and as they were taking a picture, he asked her if he knew, if she knew who his favorite, um, who his favorite uh, magician was. And uh, when she said who, he said David Copperfield. And at that point, he, you know, he groped her. Now, there was nervous laughter that was in the room for everybody that was there. Uh, and his wife... Uh, Barbara, it is reported that she told him to keep his hands where she could see them. So she was aware of what was going on. And people looked at it as a, I don't want to say harmless, but they, you know, they gave him a pass on it, right? They gave him a pass on it because he's a former president. And that is, that is what we tend to do with people who are in positions of authority, we overlook their transgressions. We, we awkwardly laugh at them. We make excuses. We downplay the severity or the offense of them. But unfortunately, the reality is that these types of things, they play into and they support a culture of marginalization and violence and degradation of women. And it's not a laughing matter. So earlier this week, I had the opportunity to attend a domestic violence awareness program. It was in the south suburbs of Chicago. I'm sorry, not the south suburbs. It was the, uh, I guess, the western suburbs. It was uh, North North Riverside. And the title of the program was Don't Look Away. 
Now, throughout the course of this program, there were, there were four speakers who got up to talk about the work that they do in uh, intending to the victims of domestic violence or intimate partner violence. Now, the statistics on this are, one within the United States says one out of three, one out of three women are victims or have been victims of intimate partner violence, of domestic violence. And that's a staggering statistic. That's a staggering number. But how does this relate to the the president's uh, episode where it's laughed off? You know, people 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 are just waiting to get out of the room, waiting for the moment to be over. How does how does it relate? It relates in this way, and these were some of the comments that I shared at this forum. How do women who are victims of intimate partner violence, how do they report it when the person that is committing the act, when the perpetrator is the judge or is the uh, police officer, a fireman or doctor or the pastor or the imam? How do, how do they report it then? If this went unreported, this situation that went unreported with former President Bush, and one of the comments made as to why it got a pass, it was, well, you know, he's a former president. He's a president. So I'm just going to look the other way. These statistics, they remain the same. One out of three, they, they increase. There is an acculturation. There is a, there is a cultivated disregard for women that exists and is tolerated. Matter of fact, it's encouraged. In every instance where we look away, we, we turn our faces away and we give a person a pass because of the position that they have. Now, if we're going to make any real change or uh, change these statistics, change the outlook from being one that is just victim-centered and stop the creation of new victims, then we have to address the perpetrators. We have to address the mindset that contributes to victimization. And I think that, um, I think that has a lot to do with what we're going to talk about in a few minutes. We're going to take a few minutes to talk about uh, some things that are going on in politics that are about principled responses that are not a, that are not decisions that are not based upon personality that are not based upon personal interest or group interest but decisions that are being made upon uh, principle so this issue this scourge that we deal with of domestic violence this 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 blight that is on our uh, social conscience of, 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 of women uh, being victimized. And there are also statistics for men as well, and those were, I, I believe, it, it was one out of four, right? But by and large, women have been the face of intimate partner violence, of domestic violence. Uh, and, uh, and the only way that we're going to stop that victimization is to change the culture so we have to turn our gaze towards those people who are perpetrating these acts. So, Radio Slime family, um, I'm going to close on that, uh, just reminding us that we must be people of principle. We're going to continue to hear stories like this. They're going to continue to come out where people who are in positions of power have used their power to um, to minimize and to and to encroach upon the, the, the liberty and the personhood of others. So that's, that's unfortunate, but it's up to you and I to do what we can to change that culture. So in other news, Senator Jeff Flake, yesterday he made a, a quite, a, quite a splash 
within the Republican Party and, well, within national politics in general with the speech that he gave from the floor of the Senate. And we're going to just take a, a quick listen to some of that. And we listen with the ear open for principle. Say it again, principle. So you listen to Radio Islam. We're going to go ahead and take a quick listen. We're going to listen to about the first five and a half, six minutes. And then we'll, uh, we'll have some conversation on that. More defined by our discord and our dysfunction than by our own values and principles. Uh, let me begin by noting a somewhat obvious point that these offices that we hold are not ours indefinitely. We're not here simply to mark time. Sustained incumbency is certainly not the point of seeking office, and there are times when we must risk our careers in favor of our principles. Now is such a time. It must also be said that I rise today with no small measure of regret. Regret because of the state of our disunion. Regret because of the disrepair and destructiveness of our politics. Regret because of the indecency of our discourse. Regret because of the coarseness of our leadership. Regret for the compromise of our moral authority. And by our, I mean all of our, complicity in this alarming and dangerous state of affairs. It is time for our complicity and our accommodation of the unacceptable to end. In this century, a new phrase has entered the language to describe the accommodation of a new and undesirable order, that phrase being the new normal. But we must never adjust to the present coarseness of our national dialogue with the tone set at the top. We must never regard as normal the regular and casual undermining of our democratic norms and ideals. We must never meekly accept the daily sundering of our country. The personal attacks, the threats against principles, freedoms and institution, the flagrant disregard for truth and decency, the reckless provocations, most often for the pettiest and most personal reasons, reasons having nothing whatsoever to do with the fortunes of the people that we have been elected to serve. None of these appalling features of our current politics should ever be regarded as normal. We must never allow ourselves to lapse into thinking that that is just the way things are now. If we simply become inured to this condition, thinking that it is just, it is just politics as usual, then heaven help us. Without fear of the consequences and without consideration of the rules of what is politically safe or palatable, we must stop pretending that the de degradation of our politics and the conduct of some in our executive branch are normal. They are not normal. Reckless, outrageous, and undignified behavior has become excused and countenanced as telling it like it is when it is actually just reckless, outrageous, and, and undignified. And when such behavior emanates from the top of our government, it is something else. It is dangerous to a democracy. Such behavior does not project strength because our strength comes from our values. It instead projects a corruption of the spirit and weakness it is often said that children are watching. Well, they are. And what are we going to do about that? When the next generation asks us, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you speak up? What are we going to say? Mr. President, I rise today to say enough. We must dedicate ourselves to making sure that the anomalous never becomes the normal. With respect and humility, I must say that we have fooled ourselves for long enough that a pivot to governing is right around the corner. A return to civility and stability right behind it. We know better than that. By now, we all know better than that. Here today, I stand to say that we would be better served. We would better serve the country by better fulfilling our obligations under the Constitution 
by adhering to our Article I old normal, Mr. Madison's doctrine of separation of powers. This genius innovation which affirms Madison's status as a true visionary and for which Madison argued in Federalist 51 held that the equal branches of our government would balance and counteract with each other if necessary. Ambition counteracts ambition, he wrote. But what happens if ambition fails to counteract ambition? What happens if stability fails to assert itself in the face of chaos and instability? If decency fails to call out indecency? Were the shoe on the other foot, we Republicans, would we Republicans meekly accept such behavior on display from dominant Democrats? Of course we wouldn't and we would be wrong if we did. When we remain silent and fail to act, when we know that silence and inaction is the wrong thing to do because of political considerations, because we might make enemies, because we might alienate the base, because we might provoke a primary challenge, because ad infinitum, ad nauseum, when we succumb to those considerations in spite of what should be greater considerations and imperatives in defense of our institutions and our liberty, we dishonor our principles and forsake our obligations. <clears throat> Those things are far more important than politics. All right, Radio Assam family. That was Senator Jeff Flake uh, addressing the Senate yesterday. And uh, I urge I urge everyone to, if you haven't seen it in its entirety, take a second and sit down. It's about 17 or 18 minutes long. And, you know, just just go to YouTube and look at it and listen to what he's saying. Now, I'm not. Well, I wouldn't say that I, I don't consider my I don't I don't consider myself a full fledged. Uh, I'm not a conservative. I'm not a I'm not a Republican. As a matter of fact, I have issues quite often with the idea of trying to ascribe to the ideology of either uh, strictly to uh, to either party because there are elements that you know that I appreciate actually from each of them. But the point being, uh, this is not a, a partisan conversation. It's it's one that is really it's about the principles uh, that he spoke about. And I'm going to bring you in. And uh, my brother uh, Ibrahim, uh, we're going to talk about this. He's on the boards, but he's, he's got double duty tonight. So, Assalamu alaikum. <laughs> so, I'll say the first thing that really uh, resonated with me, and I, I, I guess it's in order of as, as he was speaking, but the first thing that hit me was. He says, sustained incumbency is not the goal. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but sustained incumbency is not the goal. And I think that that is, to me, that is such a refreshing, but unfortunately, he, he's saying it on his way out. Right. You know, <laughs> so. That's the catch. Right. Um, and, and do you think that him not running again that that actually does more harm to the restoration of conservative values or the restoration of the principles of civil democracy, right? Does it does it do more damage him leaving as or or is it better in your opinion for him to to stay on board and to lead by example? Yeah, that's actually a pretty loaded question. I don't know where to begin. Um, first of all, conservative values. What are conservative values? I don't think the conservative values, if by conservative values we mean uh, the values of the GOP, mm -hmm. of the Republican Party, right. I don't think we can say that those are the same now as they were, say, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, mm -hmm. or back when a lot of these politicians began their careers. Right. I think it's changing rapidly, and I think we're learning as Americans that... Um, there's a lot of times not a static definition or even a um, tangible definition of what these values mean. We hear people talk a lot about values. These are our values. These are our values. Um, Senator Flake was talking about that, you know, how it's our values that define who we are and so on. Um, the problem is it's really not a concrete definition that everyone can agree on, mm -hmm. you know. 
that's the first thing i will say that i admire the conservative values of the past a lot more than the conservative values of today because um after the election of donald trump i would say um social conservatism itself pretty much um killed itself it's it's dead right social conservatism at social conservatism christian conservatism as a legitimate force and it's an important force within the republican party mm-hmm. pretty much committed suicide when they elected uh donald trump because yeah. he's like the furthest thing from that right right um that's one problem um what was the other thing you mentioned about well yeah, yeah well actually one other thing that i would say is i admire uh senator flake's Speech is a very principled speech. He seems to be a man of principle. I've always known him as a uh, moderate Republican yeah. centrist. I did find out a little bit about Senator Jeff Flake before this, during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, I was doing a little bit of research on uh, one of the people who was supposed to be running against him. Right. Uh, her name is Deidre Aboud. Mm-hmm. She's from Arizona. She's originally from Arkansas, I think. Um, a Muslim candidate uh, running in Arizona she went through some stuff where people on social media were trolling her and insulting her and I think to a certain extent even threatening her I'm not sure about that but just very rude and very just despicable comments against her Senator Jeff Flake actually stood up on social media and said you know I'm not going to participate in that kind of insulting and you know this woman she's an American and so on I don't remember exact words but he took a stand and I was actually pretty impressed by that at that time this was uh, several months ago so I wasn't surprised in that sense to see Senator Jeff Flake taking this kind of a moral stand once again Um, the problem is I don't I don't really hold this against him but the problem is that um Maybe he senses that he is just on the way out, and he, he's maybe he senses that the Republican Party has morphed into something that is not going to accept him anyway. Mm. You know. Uh, well, there there is a um, to your point that you mentioned how the social conservatism or the the Christian uh, element within the Republican Party uh, in its values or its platform has been damaged by his election by Trump's election. Yes. I think that he represents more of this is a new culture of polarization. Uh, and really, it's not, it's not new. It's kind of a, it's a return to polarization uh, that, that goes back to the, to the Dixiecrats, you know, mm-hmm. to, the, the, to, the, uh, to the mass exodus of Democrats to the Republican Party. Uh, and a lot of that was along. There was, a, there was definitely a racial element. There was a uh, kind of a reclamation type of a spirit of, you know, let's take back our country. And I think he's brought that back. But more importantly, what I feel like that uh, Senator Flake has done, he's talking about civil, you know, being civil in our discourse, not necessarily just about the, um, about the, the platform or about uh, the values as, as they've morphed, but about just being civil and how we go about communicating those things. Yeah, I noticed last year a lot of the uh, rhetoric coming out of the Republican Party and also parts of the alt-right as well, um, who turned to the Republican Party when it comes time to vote. Uh, A lot of it had to do with let's abandon political correctness and let's just really say what's on our mind, you know, as if this is going to solve all our problems rather than make them worse um i i'm i tend to predict that they've kind of had their little moment those people of they have their little moment of fun and they've had their little experience uh, their little experiment and they're going to try to push the same kind of ideas some of them are equally horrific ideas yeah but in a through a more suit and tie kind of approach yes donald trump got elected you know it was this spectacular uh spectacle of him saying this totally you know crazy stuff and not caring what people think and that's what got him elected but i predict that as um these factions uh tend to consolidate their power there's going to be a movement to try to put on a suit and tie once again and do things 
in a more civil way, not necessarily civilized, but civil. Yeah, and that there's a danger in that as well, uh, because it because the poison becomes, or it appears to be palatable. Right. Uh, there was a, I was looking at CNN this morning, and uh, they had a. They were talking about Steve Bannon, and the gentleman that was defending him. He goes off on this tangent about how, you know, shame on uh, those who are within the Republican Party that are demonizing Steve Bannon, and what they should be doing is championing him and championing the free marketplace of ideas. Now that sounds really good, you know, this idea, because it it strikes a economic core with uh, with 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 folks, free market. But what it doesn't do, what it, what it says is that we're making room in our civil discourse for uncivilized ideas mm-hmm. because they are they articulated in a way that, you know, uh, even tone, nice words, you know, and that that in itself is a danger. Yeah, I feel like everyone on, on all sides of the political spectrum whether it be the liberal side or the conservative side, um, they say that, yeah, we're for free speech. But if you look a little bit more closely, nobody likes, none of these people like to hear the type of speech which uh, challenges their ideas and their stances, you know. Um, You see a lot of times people on the conservative side pointing this out lately, like CNN did this or that, you know. And I think there's some truth to that too, but there's also, uh, we have to remember that people like Steve Bannon and others on that side of the spectrum, they're no better. I mean, they're just as bad, you know. So free speech, yeah, they're saying it's free speech, but they're just basically saying that they want their ideas heard without being challenged and without being condemned. I don't know, it seems like. Well, and and there's a problem with that. I I don't have a problem with people having different ideas or seeing things differently, but our common framework has to be number one that we we all agree upon uh, common shared human dignity and if we can do that then we can we can have whatever argument we can have different ideas but but what I see as a problem is ideas that are infringing upon human dignity that are encroaching upon people's ability to uh, to, to pursue liberty and, and justice and, and, and freedom. That in itself is a problem, and that's a different conversation. Uh, I don't think that it's just about, I mean, being PC, uh, they've turned that into a, a buzzword to mean uh, to say that you're not speaking the truth or that you're yeah. holding back, Yeah, you know. Um, there was something else he mentioned. He said that a pivot to governing is right around the corner. He says, as a party, we believe that we're coming to a point where President Trump is going to, he's going to become presidential. He's going to stop with the antics. He's going to stop with the, the tweets. He's going to stop with the, uh, with the, the reckless statements. And he's going to fall in the, into the, the model of a traditional president, president. And he says, that's not happening. We, we see that's not happening. But yet there's still silence. What do you, what do you, what do you think about that? actually think that's a pretty good observation i do think to some extent that once uh donald trump came in office Mm -hmm. that there was a little bit of kind of stabilization a little bit of you know following the model of the presidency uh, to a certain extent Mm -hmm. as far as some of the people he chose and uh some of the approaches he chose and in some ways not in some ways he's kind of the same old you know crazy uh, celebrity figure um, so I think, yeah, Senator Flick, he makes a pretty good observation. The 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 sad part is I don't know if other people in his party feel the same way. I'm sure they do feel the same way deep down inside, but they just don't care as long as they're in power and they're getting their agenda um, pushed to the top. I don't, just don't think they really care. You know, that's a really good point, as long as they're in power. Another comment that he made He says, I'm sure, well, I'm paraphrasing, I'm sure that if the shoe was on the other foot, would we bear the conduct of, you know, of the other party? 
if mm. if it was mirroring what we're seeing right now mm. no they would not 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 for a second right and there's something that dr sherman jackson he mentioned uh some years ago and he he was talking about what we what we owe to the united states of america as citizens and he said we owe it a principled posture and by that you know i i i took it that he was saying that we have to exemplify the best of you know stand firmly for justice even as against yourselves and this you know and it just directly ties into what senator flake has mentioned if the shoe was on the other foot we'd be up in arms yeah um to put it briefly i do admire senator flake's uh stance mm-hmm. um when we come back from the break inshallah i'm going to read from a little bit of a new york times article which kind of chronicles uh it's a good article it chronicles what people uh have said about his stance from bo- both sides of the spectrum there's an author she chronicles statements from the left and from the right mm-hmm. regarding what he said and i think it's um pretty useful and pretty revealing so we'll talk about that more after the break well that sounds good all right radio slime family if you'd like to give us a call when we come back you can do so at 312-750-1178 that's 312-750-1178 and i'm going to go ahead and check our facebook page while we take this break On November 12th, Radio Islam will be hosting a benefit dinner held at Ashton Place in Willowbrook, Illinois. Our keynote speaker is Professor John Esposito, a long-standing ally of the Muslim community. We'll also feature an exhibit by the late Jack Shaheen. Tickets are on sale now at eventbrite.com. Radio Islam is the first live daily radio show by Muslims. People are always talking about Muslims. It's time we talk back. When Dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org slash caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show, produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome back, Radio Slam family. You are listening to WCEV 1450 AM, or you're streaming on www.wcev1450.com. Radio Islam is a live call-in talk radio program, and we air every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central from the wonderful city of Chicago, Illinois. So we're glad to be with you, and we're going to go ahead and get right back into our discussion. We've been talking about Senator uh, Jeff Flake's remarks on the Senate floor yesterday. And uh, Brother Ibrahim is going to go ahead and share with us from an article. Right. Before I get into the article, there's one more thing um, 
that I, th- I thought was very noteworthy in his speech, mm-hmm. and he mentioned Madison. Uh, yeah. Madison is an interesting figure in American history and American constitutional history. Mm-hmm. Um, he was referring to, I think he referred to the Federalist Papers. Yes. Federalist Papers are this these uh, a set of documents, pretty amazing documents. Some of them are written by Madison. Some of them are written by uh, Hamilton. The majority by Hamilton. Yeah, and some mm-hmm. of them were written by, I think, who was the first one? John Might Jay, be. maybe? Yeah, John, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Madison wrote some of them. Um, Madison is given credit for them, mm-hmm. for, the, for the most part, I think. Yeah. Anyway, the Federalist Papers were these documents that were written by this crew of people to basically convince uh, the other delegates to ratify the Constitution. Right. right? This is after the Revolutionary War and all that, after the Constitution is drafted by Jefferson. These people, in order to convince the other uh, members of the delegates of Congress the United States at that time to ratify this new constitution, which was a pretty revolutionary thing at its time. They wrote these series of documents. The most famous one. Now, I hate to do this to our uh, beloved listeners, our family, but I got to give you a homework assignment. <laughs> okay. The Federalist Papers, number 10, specifically number 10. Um, it's an amazing document, and this is the one where... I think it was written by Madison, this one, where he talks about factions. By factions, he means uh, basically groups of citizens that try to do whatever they want. Uh, he says, by uh, Madison says, by a faction, I understand a number of citizens, whether amounting to a majority or minority of the whole, who are united and actuated by some common impulse of passion or of interest adverse to the rights of other citizens or to the permanent and aggregate interests of the community. Basically, one of the main overarching messages of this uh, document, Federalist Number 10, is that these factions, uh, democracy, the Madison, what we call now Madisonian democracy, one of its goals is to make sure that these majorities or powerful minorities of people can't just run around and do whatever they want, right? One of the interesting principles in this is that the majority of people, just because people are in the majority, doesn't mean they are right. The tyranny of the many. Yeah, the tyranny of the majority or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. So so this really reminded me of, uh, and I'm glad he brought up Madison, Senator Jeff Flake was talking about the current state of his party, the Republican Party, mm-hmm. and how the majority of the party wants something they go they've chosen a certain direction to go in just because they're in the majority does that mean that they are right and the answer is no according to madison the answer would be no mm-hmm. because there are certain principles that the uh, that are enshrined in the democracy um which are now being basically uh well the people are trying to avoid them and move in a, another direction right, right? Uh, another thing that you would know, that you would see uh, clearly observed by reading the Federalist Papers, is that democracy is about protecting the rights of the minority, protecting the rights of those who have little or no political power. Right. Right. And if that's taken away, then we have to question whether the democracy itself is still alive or not. Right. That's Absolutely. one of the other things, and that's also another thing that we see being challenged in our current times, right? People are acting like they're, you know, losing the country and this and that. Um, And minorities are often taking the brunt of their verbal abuse and uh, some of their abusive policies. Absolutely. So I thought it was very relevant for Senator Jeff Flake to bring up Madison. And I wanted to mention a little bit about Madison says. So don't forget your homework assignment. (laughs) <laughs> Our listeners, our family, we love you. Uh, That's right. Yeah, inshallah. Federalist, Federalist Papers, number 10. Mm-hmm. Now, as for the article I was talking about before, mm-hmm. it is from the New York Times by Anna Dubenko. It is titled, Right and Left React to Jeff Flake's Denunciation of Trump. So what the author does is uh, basically chronicle a few of the immediate re- uh, reactions uh, in the wake of his announcement, 
Um, so I'll, st- I'll read a couple of these statements from the right. Um, the editors of the Weekly Standard said, We are left to conclude that Trump and his conferees wanted Flake defeated merely because Flake has said critical things about Trump. We expect this sort of vanity from Trump. It's his brand and he owns it, but not from grown-up Republican office holders and commentators. Uh, Ben Dominic in The Federalist. Uh, says, quote, again, the GOP is, the GOP as it was, died in Cleveland. Referring to the nomination that happened in Cleveland in 2016, Flake's decision authenticates this. This is a very powerful statement, actually. Yeah. Um, Daniel, Daniel Larison in The American Conservative, quote, almost all of Trump's loudest intra-party critics are incapable or unwilling to come to grips with the reasons why they lost their party. Another very telling quote. Now, before I move on to the quotes from the left, what do you think about that? You know, I find that interesting that the justification for his lack of uh, presidential presence or following presidential protocol is presented as, it's always presented as, well, you're not really paying attention to why you lost the election, mm-hmm. and that those two don't correlate. That's that's to me that's a, a false you know a, a equivalency. How he's conducting himself has nothing to do with why they lost. Uh, well, actually, they won the election, mm-hmm. but they didn't they didn't get who they thought they were going to get. They didn't know that they were not going to be able to control him. Yeah. Uh, so, but the. The, the the second point would you read that second point again uh, from the Federalist it yeah. says again the GOP as it was died in Cleveland Flake's decision authenticates this oh no I think that's absolutely yeah that's absolutely true yeah. that it's not it is not the grand old party that we have been used to it is not mm-hmm. the party that was under the the, the leadership of HW or W uh, this is this is a completely new uh, party with new influences, and a lot of it is based in the uh, the media, not just the media that we see, but the media that we don't that we don't see. Yes. Yeah, and um, so there's a, there's a new culture that has come up, and until that is dealt with, and I think it's actually there's a chance that it's going to get away from the Republican establishment, those who think that they can just ride this out and push their agenda uh, agenda through, I think it's going to get away from them and they're going to find themselves uh, in, a, in a place that they did not foresee. Mm-hmm. Before we move on to some quotes from uh, left-leaning uh, journalists, one thing I also want to point out is, do you remember the Never Trump movement? Yeah. The yeah. Never Trump movement, but what happened to it, though? This is a critical question. What happened to it? Well, this is what happened. The Never Trump, this is my commentary on the Never Trump movement, uh-huh. sounded like, okay, there's these principal Republicans out there that, you know, they don't want uh, these kind of outsiders and these, you know, celebrity hotshots representing their party because they don't want their party to be dragged down into the mud and so on. Right turns out the movement disappeared why (laughs) because the never trump movement in my assessment was not really based on principle it was based on the fear that this perceived they perceived this donald trump person as a clown at the time that this person was going to lose an easy election to the worst candidate called hillary clinton Right. right the Never Trump movement was based on the fear that he was going to lose. Once he won, and it became clear that, okay, now he's going to the president, the president, <laughs> the whole movement kind of fizzled away, right, immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah, so that's, that's, a good, that's a good point. So, yeah, one another thing to keep in mind when we see Senator Jeff Flake kind of um, jumping ship, to put it in a certain way. Anyway, um, so from the same article... From the New York Times, quotes from the left. John Nichols in The Nation. Quote, 
The measure of responsible republicanism in these times cannot be made with words, not even with words so powerful as those employed by Jeff Flake on Tuesday afternoon. Deeds are required. Adele M. Stan in The American Prospect. Quote, in a binary system such as ours, the republic is gravely threatened when the members of one of the two major political parties risk ouster via primary for insufficient loyalty to an authoritarian executive. That's a very, very powerful quote. I'll come back to that yeah. in a second. Uh, and John Cassidy in The New Yorker. But there is also something serious and consequential going on here, something that goes beyond the daily Twitter wars. Mm. Okay. So the first statement um, basically calls for, okay, this is a nice state, this is a nice gesture what uh, Senator Flake did, but now he has to walk the walk, or the other people in the party like him who are dissatisfied with the direction of the party need to walk the walk now. That's what the first statement is saying. Yes, and but but I will give him this credit that he he has a reputation mm-hmm. of of being a principled uh, legislator. Right. And so to to that uh, to that degree, I think this action, as much as I feel like it takes away from it takes away from the 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 presence of. Of, of civil discourse. It takes away from somebody who, who embodies, you know, what Madison, uh, what the, I guess with, with the framers, with, with they, even though there they were fights, you know, actual physical fist fights sure. uh, during that time. But it, 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 it expresses, I guess, the highest ideals. You know, so to, to see him leave, uh, it's, it's 50-50. But, but he is acting. Mm-hmm. You know, so now it's up. It's up to everybody else. What What are you going to do? Yeah. As for the third statement that says, "But there's also something serious and consequential going on here. Something that goes beyond the daily Twitter wars." Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, not just us, not just Senator Flake, are saddened to see uh, politics in the United States devolve into social media rivalries and wars, Twitter wars. Yeah. Um, it's a very strange, very surreal thing to see this happening. But my focus has to be on this this second statement that I just read. Before you go to that, yeah. let, let me just say this about that one. I think this represents the point that we are today in society. It's a, it's, it's a point of laziness to try to debate policy with 140 characters mm-hmm. basically the only thing you really can do is insult somebody one liners and zingers right. you're not really going to communicate the depth or complexity of any issue in 140 characters yeah, that's but a good point you're just looking for that punchline that's it to, yeah to get your followers to respond and yeah yeah okay fair enough now, the second quote that I read, in a binary system such as ours, mm-hmm. the republic is gravely threatened when the members of one of the two major political parties risk ouster via primary, risk getting voted out, for insufficient loyalty to an authoritarian executive. Now, for those of us who are interested in politics and political science, this is really a, a delicious a kind of statement. Yeah. Yeah made by Adele M. Stan in The American Prospect. Um, this is really, this goes back to the whole Madisonian uh, democracy. This, is a, this statement is actually saying that, look, watch out. Yeah. If you like democracy, if you like Madisonian democracy that we have, you better watch out when mm-hmm. you see this happening, where people uh, have to pledge allegiance basically to the president rather than to the nation itself. Exactly. And we have, uh, for everyone who's taken the Constitution, uh, we have three branches of government, right? The legislative, executive, and the judicial. And in, in this statement, you see the executive exercising unprecedented influence upon the legislative branch, where they have or he has, he is employing his, his, his influence and his, his forces to support 
or to erode their, their base. Mm -hmm. And that is not something I can't recall. I can't recall seeing anything like this, not with not within the past 30, you know, 30, 40 years, maybe longer than that, right? I, I don't know. But it's not something that I have seen in yeah. modern times. Yeah, I'll elaborate on that in that um, it's easy to oversimplify this statement in a sense because, once again, the president, whoever the president is, whatever party they're from, they're, they become the de facto head of that party, right? right? So there's also an element of party allegiance here, mm -hmm. not just like every senator has to pledge allegiance to the president. That would be an oversimplification. Right. At the same time, I think the validity of the statement stands because we're, we are, like you said, we are witnessing something new where it's almost like a cult of personality, right? Yes. Um, if you say something against the president, thousands of people on social media, the troll army is going to come and try to make your life miserable, mm -hmm. right? If the president is having a bad week, he goes out and holds a rally to boost his ego, right? right. This is a very strange thing, and this is reminiscent of basically like a cult of personality, right? Yeah. So that's why I think... At risk of being oversimplified, this statement still stands and still has. It's a very powerful uh, observation. Yes, and even as the de facto head of the party, uh, whichever party you know it would happen to be, it also shows a degree of manipulation, and uh, I guess and a disdain for for discourse, or or for, for disagreement. I mean, some of our best. Uh, some of our best decisions come out of disagreement. Mm -hmm. yeah, and we're able to, to fashion, you know, a coherent policy because the first thing didn't make it through. But the second or the third one may end up actually being better than what was initially, you know, uh, what was initially presented. And to have this idea that I will not have anybody challenge me or say anything against me, man, that is, that is antithetical to... <laughs> you know, to democracy, period. And it's, it's just dangerous. So we're in, we're in interesting times. You got anything yeah. you want to close with? I would just close with saying we would love to hear our listeners' comments. And it's up on Facebook, on Twitter, and tell us what you think about what we're saying. Absolutely, absolutely. So that page is open on Facebook. Uh, so if you, if you heard something that struck a nerve that you'd like to share, go right to our Facebook page at Radio Islam USA, and you can post right under today's comment, uh, today's thread. So it's been great uh, being with you, Radio Islam family. Uh, we look forward to being with you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, Friday, Juma Mubarak. It's, it's, as a matter of fact, well, technically I could say it already. But anyway, um, our executive producer, I'm going to give it to you in reverse order. Our exe executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid, our engineer, in studio and co-host Ibrahim Bay. I am your uh, well actually co-producer as well. So I'm your producer, co-producer and host Tariq Alamine. Our engineer at WCEV is Leonard. Thank you so much over there. Uh, the oh yes the views of the host the co-host today are not to be taken as those of Sound Vision. Uh, they are ours and ours alone. So we look forward to being with you tomorrow. Have a great evening. And I leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.